Feverish masturbator is not your everyday porn viewer. A feverish masturbator is someone that consumes so much content that they can walk up to you and say to you something like this. Remember the scene you wore with the red dress and you had your hair pulled over to one side and then halfway through the scene, you took your hair down. Why did you not leave it up to the one side? It looked so good. That, my friend, is a feverish masturbator. And those are who was at ABN. But first, a word from our sponsors. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Audio Desires, an erotic audio platform dedicated to giving you the best oral sex you can have. With hundreds of sexy stories in three different languages and a sleek, user-friendly design, Audio Desires is the right fit to get you in the mood. Enjoy 50% off an annual membership or 20% off a monthly membership when you use promo code MANHOR at audiodesires.com. Are you looking to start a podcast? Want to use audio as a marketing tool for your small business? Enjoy free credits when you use my promo code BILLY at Libsyn.com. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, or click the link in the show notes. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all you hustling whores and to all you horny humpers. This is Billy Presida and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Hey, 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 welcome to the show if you're new. Welcome back if you're not. I hope you had yourselves a uh, peaceful week. Hope you had a slutty weekend to follow. Maybe you even had a really horny Monday afternoon following that slutty weekend. Hope you got to take care of that during those naughty work from home hours. Maybe with something fun, something that buzzes, something rechargeable because the environment. <laughs> I know I had a I had a sluttier week than I've had in quite some time. Hit up the sex party on Saturday. It was a it was a really good time in to hit up the sex party solo. I got to tell you, I need a real pick-me-up after a really tough week. And nothing picks me up like a really good hacienda. You know, I I wasn't sure if I was going to be in the mood, but I said, you know what, fuck it. I'm getting out there. I'm going to put the goddamn glitter on. I'm going to roll up these these high neon green socks, and I'm going to go have a good-ass time with a bunch of awesome, beautiful, naked people. Something I love about Hacienda, by the way, is that they, you know, they do like to um, incorporate this like community and artistic vibe. So they'll book performers here and there. Not only do they have a DJ, which gosh, the orgy DJ, what a gig to get. Uh, but they book, you know, uh, you know, little performances from the community. So uh, they had around midnight a magician come out, and um, you know, he's doing a lot of the typical sleight of hand stuff. It's like slutty sleight of hand because he's like, you know, half naked. So it's like, okay, this it's cute. He does a lot of the uh, the balloon tricks of oh look I pulled a balloon out of here out of my out of my sleeve and oh look now I'm gonna swallow this big three foot long yellow tube balloon okay I've seen this before but then homeboy got a tummy ache oh no 
I don't know what's going to happen. We knew what was going to happen. Once he turned around and bent over and revealed like this, this yellow, bright yellow orb where there was supposed to be just a, a hole of blackness for his butthole, right? We all were like, is he gonna? But we none of us believed he was gonna. And then like he gunned. I watched a grown ass man pull a big, long, in fully inflated yellow balloon out his asshole, not a stain to be seen. He could have he could have cheated. He could have been cheap. He could have gotten lazy that day. He could have used a brown or a black balloon, you know, because that way is, you know, whatever he pulls out, nah, we're not gonna see from a distance, but no. Went with bright yellow. All jaws just dropped open. We're all clapping. Like all of us are like, what the fuck did we just watch? We watched slutty magic. And, uh, you know, I had my own fun myself. You can actually go check out uh, my version of events in the Sexual Achievement Sunday channel of our Discord server, The Champagne Room. Uh, super free, super sex positive, super fun space. There are channels to talk about the sex stuff. There's channels to talk about nothing of the like. Uh, but it's a really cool community. And if you want to join hundreds of fan whores in there, just uh, come introduce yourself at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Uh, before I get to this week's guest, Lisa Ann got an advice email I want to share with y'all. Uh, but this is an email I am not qualified to answer. So uh, I invited back a friend of the pod, uh, my buddy, Dr. David Lay. He's been a guest of this show himself. If you want to hear his episode, you can scroll all the way back to episode 169. Yeah, I know that was so long ago. Disclaimer, uh, I believe the intro of that episode, I go on a really long rant about uh, social justice warriors or something and Lacey Green. I don't know if I stand by all that. So feel free to like skip past the intro and just get to David. He's great. All right. So I'm bringing back to the podcast, friend of the show, uh, multi-time guest, Dr. David Lay. He's a regular contributor at psychologytoday.com. He's the author of uh, quite a few books. I've read uh, I've read uh, Ethical Porn for Dicks. Very much enjoyed that one. Uh, he's written about sex addiction and a lot else. And he's here to help me with an advice question that I am far from qualified to answer on my own. So, uh, David, thanks for coming back on. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Always happy to chat with you. Yeah. So I got this question from a listener. And so I'm, I'm going to read this out. Uh, we're going to call her Allie. She writes, hi, Billy. It's been a while since I wrote in about three years ago. I appreciate your insight last time, helping my boyfriend and I connect. You're literally the only person that could have any insight into what the fuck I found myself in, which is so wrong. Uh, she writes, I am locked into a multi-million dollar NDA. Two of them are totaling like $2.2 million. I don't know how they arrive at those numbers, but that's what the lawyers say. The short of it is that I left my job in tech to take another opportunity in a different industry. I don't want to give my title or position away, but I work hand in hand with the C-suite, which we will learn she, she works more like cock in hand with the C-suite, but that's fine. <laughs> Here's where things get sexy. I'm having an affair with my direct boss, an executive in the company. Ooh, I've written in detail about every sexual encounter we've had. Dates, times, locations, everything in case I ever have to use it. He also wants me to get an STD test so that we don't have to use protection, I'm assuming. This man, he has everything. A stunning wife who is brilliantly successful in her own right, if not more successful than him. He's got two adorable kids. Is this boredom on his part? Could I sue him if he ever tries to fire me? 
I don't want to quit. I don't see myself making more money anywhere else. I just don't understand risking your livelihood for what? Pussy? And I wrote back to her asking for some clarification. So she gave me some more uh, info. One is uh, I asked if she was still with her boyfriend. She said, yes, I am with the boyfriend and we will probably get engaged eventually. I love him very, very much. I'm just an awful person. Her words, not mine. But then she continued, this is not a sugar baby thing. I interviewed for the job. I got it because I'm more than qualified and I'm doing a great job. I love it. Things just got blurred because my boss is hot. The flirting got started because we got drunk after I accepted my offer and I made a really cheap, suggestive joke. One time we were sexting and I asked him what he tastes like. He said, money, power, class. That's who I'm dealing with. I can't help but laugh. His ego is so inflated. So once again, my my main questions are, what does this guy get from it? Why would you risk everything with someone who could sue you? Is it a power trip? So that's what we got from Allie. What, what are you thinking here? Why do big, powerful men with everything, including a babe of a wife, risk everything for pussy? There can be a lot of things at play here. Um, one issue that comes to mind is, have you ever heard the, the, the phrase, the erotic equation? So the erotic yeah. equation is, is a, a concept put forth by a, a, a writer named Jack Moran. He wrote a book called The Erotic Mind. I highly recommend it. And Jack said that the erotic equation is attraction plus obstacle equals excitement. If you think through this, so you remember when you're making out with your girlfriend or boyfriend in high school and you're on the couch in front of the TV and your parents are upstairs and you've got to be quiet, right? The obstacle is you might get caught, right? Mm -hmm. That obstacle makes the sex or the engagement much more hot, because you have to, in order to get this sexual experience, this we've got to overcome this thing in between us. You got to work for it. You got to put some effort into it. The things that we are not supposed to want oftentimes becomes the things that we want more. Now, is that why, like, it, taboo thing, taboo fetishes yeah. are such fetishes because they're things we're not supposed to want? That's right. The for, the forbidden fruit. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, that those words mean something because of how powerful that is. I mean, the um, and and unfortunately, I mean, the the more we are told not to want something, the more we're told um, you'd be a bad person, right? To want some, to, to want that for some people, many people, it triggers this increased desire, right? Oh, don't tell me what I can't have. The other piece here though, uh, is that to get to that C-suite kind of level, to get to that level where you would describe, I don't know if he's describing his semen or his penis as tasting like money, power, (laughs) and class, right? Um, There's a certain level of narcissism there, right? There's even a concept called sexual narcissism, which is based on people who are, who act, who are sexually entitled, who have an aggrandized kind of view of their own sexual skills or value, 
who show low empathy for their sexual partners and oftentimes exploit their sexual partners. That sexual narcissism also can lead to people feeling like I deserve this. I'm powerful and rich and special. And so even though this is against the rules for other people, I'm allowed to break this rule. So like, I, I get like wanting something that you're not supposed to have. Like that makes sense to me. But also at some point there's like this practical thing. Like I feel, I forget if it's the, I guess the ego or the super ego or something like something in our brains reminds us like, okay, but like also no, like, you know, like also you will lose, like your entire life will fucking end. Right. So what I and I've been writing on this, I'm actually working on a book around professional sexual misconduct and the people that basically screw the people they're not supposed to, you know, the mm -hmm. the lawyers, the doctors, the the police, the teachers, the CEOs, the politicians. And there's there's two patterns that might be relevant here. One is that Professionals that violate those boundaries, um, oftentimes they are kind of narcissistic and antisocial. They feel like the rules don't apply to them. But sometimes they are people where there is some other issue going on in their life. They feel trapped in their marriage. They're maybe in an unhealthy relationship. Maybe their parents, you know, are uh, sick and home and they're having to care for them. There are, there are other things that are kind of falling apart in their life. And mm. this sexual relationship or exploration becomes like a lifeline that they can kind of cling to, to still feel special or sexy um, and, 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 and not have to deal with some of the problems back home. Is, is it possible that some of these people, like it's almost like self-sabotage, like they want to get caught because they're not happy with what's going on in life. And they're like, well, this is like a pleasurable way to make everything crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I call it playing Russian roulette. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's like it's just like the the person who, you know, isn't who doesn't want to be married anymore, but can't say I want to break up, I want to divorce. So they engage in infidelity, kind of passively wondering, well, if I get caught and it blows up, at least I'm out of the relationship. And I didn't have to be the one to uh, to to end it. I wasn't I wasn't the dickhead who said, mm -hmm. you know, I don't love you anymore. She also added this at the end of the email. She uh, one of her emails. She said, I found condom wrappers in his trash this morning while I tidied up his office. And last week, a happy hour, he made a joke about me being cool with him fucking other people. You know, so she knows that he's fucking other people at the office, maybe an employee, maybe not. Mm -hmm. And she's so she also raises the question, is it possible that he's a sex addict? I know this is a topic that, you know, I know everybody wants to be like, oh, they do things they're not supposed to do with their dick. It's a sex addict. No, oh, but yeah. Sex made me do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein. Why'd you do it? Well, demons, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, there's research coming out that people who identify as sex addicts are more likely to be narcissistic. And, and what that seems to come out of is this kind of idea that, well, it's not my fault. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did this. And here I would say we have some additional information that mm, this isn't about sex. This is about this guy feeling pretty entitled to the power and control and to self-indulgence. I mean, can we just, rather than saying this is a sexual problem, can we say this is a person with selfish issues and ethical issues? Mm. 
Because what I find over and over and over is people who behave this way with sex, they behave this way in other places in their life. It's not just about sex. Sometimes these people are just dickheads. Now, I will say I was curious, why is she attracted to this guy? Is she attracted to this guy because he's the naughty bad boy um, who is in you know, power and control. And she's enjoying the titillation of this secret relationship. She's also and, cheating on her own partner in the process. Right. And as she said, I'm just a bad person. Um, yeah. sometime, sometimes we do need to roll around in the dirt and see our bad side. Mm-hmm. Um, recognize and accept it as a part of ourself, hopefully so we can make different decisions and better decisions in the future, but also so that we can see, well, I'm not a saint, but I'm also not a murderer. <laughs> you know, I'm, you know, we can put our, our bad side kind of on, on a spectrum. I was curious though. I mean, it was interesting that the non-disclosure agreement thing, I couldn't tell in the letter if the non-disclosure agreements were about this sexual relationship or about her work. She says she has two of them. And like, I don't know, I feel like it's a lot of sex to say we need two NDAs to cover all of it. Right. (laughs) So I got, I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if like one's for work, but like, to mention it in the first place, yeah. I'm assuming that at least one NDA has something to do with them hooking up. So I've been hearing about this um, uh, for the past couple of years that it is now kind of a strategy for particularly these powerful, wealthy men who don't want to get me tooed and who don't want to be exposed, that they have the women that they're having sex with sign non-disclosure agreements so that allegedly they can go back and punish them if they ever release the information um, about these sexual uh, secrets. Hallie Lieberman is is a journalist who's written a little bit about this. My understanding, and I am not a lawyer for the love of God, those non-disclosure agreements are pretty challenging to enforce, and they really are kind of a coercive threat. Yep. Which, which else, makes them void. That That's right. And, and it goes back to that kind of narcissistic control sort of thing. You know, where did all these guys in the last few years get that idea? Mm-hmm. I guess I'd have to like open a newspaper. I feel like we could uh, – <laughs> Might be able to trace that bright idea to somebody, uh, <laughs> but it's interesting that you're seeing it as a trend now. So it's something yeah. to you know people can look out for. Yeah, uh, and it, you know, again, if <sighs> if somebody is saying something like that to you, um, doesn't it lead us to scratch our head and say, "Do I really want this person's penis in my body?" Come on, are the a guy who has to have an NDA? Are they going to be good in bed? I'm going to bet not. <laughs> and you'll never know because no one's allowed to tell. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Nobody can disagree with me. <laughs> right. But so, but you know what? All that being said, he must be really, really hot. So, what do you do? You think she should stop fucking this guy or keep fucking this guy and recording it? Like, what? Do you, wh- oh, you know, she's gonna do whatever she's gonna do. She's not listening to you or me, Billy. Come on now. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair. Well, uh, Dr. David Lay, thanks again for uh, coming back to help me out with this question. Uh, Where can people go if they want to find you on the internet, uh, read your work? 
Uh, yeah, DavidLayPhD.com is my website. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. David Lay. It sounds like L-A-Y, but it's actually L-E-Y. Um, and then I'll also say, you know, a, a fun thing is that my first book about female sexuality called Insatiable Lives just dropped as a, uh, uh audio book read by Rose Caraway herself, mm-hmm. the sexy librarian. Erotic uh, uh, audiobook queen, and um, it's selling like hotcakes. It's really cool. It's getting all this neat attention, and I'm um, doing really well. So, check that out. That's fantastic. Thanks a lot, man. That's awesome. It's good to see you again. Uh, and once you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. One more thing to get to before Lisa and is the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the podcast where I like to give a quick shout out to a member of the fan whore community on Patreon. This week, I want to say a big extra thank you to Lily E. I can't believe uh, that on Saturday, we were both at New York City sex parties and that I had another friend who was at a New York City sex party and none of us were at the same one. New York be fucking, I'm glad you are, and I'm glad you're supporting the Man Whore Podcast. And you too can become a member of the Fan Whore community and support the pod you love for as little as $2 a month. Right now through the end of February, I am offering 10% off an annual membership. Uh, That is double the usual discount. Take advantage of that while you still can. You pay up front now. You got access for a year. Don't got to think about it. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. Uh, now this week's guest, Lisa Ann. I, this is a woman I don't think needs much of an introduction. You've probably come to her quite a few times. And if you haven't, you've probably seen her in the news for a variety of reasons. Most famously, I think, was her her uh, repeated turns playing Sarah Palin <laughs> getting fucked. I think she did a way better job than Tina Fey. That's just my opinion. But she's uh, also created quite the mainstream career for herself uh, in, in her post-porn times. Uh, she has a sports talk show on Sirius XM Radio. She's got her own podcasts. She's got a thriving YouTube channel with a new uh, new series called Dudes Do Better. She was such a delight. I'm so excited to share my chat with her. Let's go hang out with the Lisa Ann. The Man Whore Podcast is sponsored by Audio Desires, the only oral sex you need. Mmm, audio porn. It's like it's like the new thing now. Everybody's realizing that like there's a whole market of people who love like a good, well-written proper plot development story read by some sort of like smooth, sensual, sexy voice in a variety of accents. And that's what Audio Desires is going to give you. They've got hundreds of fully produced audio stories. Yeah, no, this isn't just like a person sitting down reading a story. They got like sound effects. You're like, oh, wow, they are fucking outside. If you're into podcasts and you're into sex stories and you like coming you're going to like AudioDesires.com. And they're offering my fan whores a really special deal. You're not going to want to miss this. You can get 50%, 5-0, that's half for the people not really into math, um, 50% off an annual membership when you use promo code MANHOR at AudioDesires.com. And if you're not ready for a year-long commitment, you want to take it slow month by month. They're going to give you 20% off their monthly membership. So, you know, whether you want to go for a year or month to month, you're getting a really good deal. 
so long as you use my promo code MANHOR at audiodesires.com. Now let's get to the show. And now I'm here with the OG MILF, the uh, porn icon, uh, and now sports talk personality, Lisa Ann. Well, hello there. We have been trying to do this for quite some time. I can't remember when it was. Mm -hmm. Years ago, uh, before the panoramic, as I like to say, uh, we tried to get an interview on the books. And I think at that time, you know, we're all living freely, traveling wherever and whenever we wanted, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and uh, things have changed. So we're easier to lock down. I would say during the pandemic was the greatest time to do interviews because everybody was available. (laughs) I'm busy. Doing fucking what? Yeah. (laughs) where? What are you doing? Where are, Where are you, you going? Okay, yeah. you're going anywhere, okay? Uh, yeah, we we tried to connect, I think, like a, an earlier AVN, and you were like, I'm done with those. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I don't do AVN. I gave up AVN for Lent in 2014. And, you know, normally when you give up something for Lent, uh, yeah. you bring it back into your life. And I just realized that I was not bringing it back into my life. It is a very high pressure and very stressful environment. And it's also incredibly long days. What people don't realize for the stars at ABN is you might be in the makeup chair at 8 a.m. and you might finish your last event at 5.30 in the morning. So, you know, in 10 days, you're lucky if you get two, three hours sleep and it's hard not to get kind of agitated when you're that tired. And, and it's an intense uh, you know, environment where you're trying to please all the companies that you want to work for. And then you have all the fans there that are also, and what I saw of the decline of ABN for me really was it became a contact sport. Now as a star, I do believe that I understand that there's, you know, what I call feverish masturbators. Okay. A feverish masturbator is not your everyday porn viewer. A feverish masturbator is someone that consumes so much content that they can walk up to you and say to you something like this. Remember the scene you wore with the red dress and you had your hair pulled over to one side and then halfway through the scene, you took your hair down. Why did you not leave it up to the one side? It looked so good. That, my friend, is a feverish masturbator. And those are who was at ABN. And when I started going in the 90s, we literally spent more money than we made on our wardrobe because we wanted to look fly. The girls in the 90s, the the Raquel Darians, Julie Ann, Ginger Lynn, Janine, Nikki Dial, and these were gorgeous women that were dialed in in clothes and nobody touched them. They stood there for the photo. You know, it was a great fan experience. Flash forward to my last AVN when I'm standing at a booth and all these girls have like, pasties and these slingshot like g-strings they're fucking barefoot which there's to me nothing it's just awful they're barefoot and i'm at the booth in this outfit that i wore in a movie was like a suit and a guy came up to me and asked me if i was the sales rep for the booth that was it I was like, I'm done here because I had too much clothes on. He thought I was a saleswoman. I'm like, oh my God. Like, and every, you know, it gets harder because when you're one, maybe there's 10 girls out of a thousand that are not letting guys touch them, lick them, kiss them. And guys will come near you and lick your entire face, like the most disgusting. And so you're that one person and it's draining. You know, whereas I don't feel that at Exotica's. Exotica's kind of a real fan experience. And for the star, it's like you're at a booth, you have your security there, you do your photos, but you could be in clothes and nobody judges you. You know what I mean? It's okay that you don't want to have a guy lick you. It's totally fine, right? Mm. But it got to be that. And 
I walked out of that booth that day and I was like, I, I can't come back to this. I cannot be referred to as a sales representative of a company that I'm, you know, doing sex scenes for only because I'm standing here in clothes. I mean, does, is there any element of like, don't you know who the fuck I am? Like, was, is, does that come into play at all? It doesn't because I've learned now that it's the entitlement of people who have become consumed through the internet, that their whole mind is kind of melted, right? The feverish masturbator believes that you will want to do anything he wants to do with you when he meets you. So it's not about me anymore. It's about them. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I never felt that. Now, in the 90s, we would have felt that, right? Because we were different types of stars then and people treated us different. I mean, you would check into a hotel and the guy at the front desk would send this huge basket of fruit up to your room with champagne because he was a fan. It was a very polite, non-creepy gesture. Now you check into a hotel and there's a guy knocking at your door asking if he could take a nude photo with you in your hotel room. For probably free. Of course. Right. Of course, for free. Of course, because he works at the hotel. And then, you know, I have to pack up my shit and move. Yeah. Because now this kid's going to tell everybody where my room is. But now it's different because now I just, I don't go anywhere without armed guards. I'm at that point. I, the, I think the first porn star I, I interviewed, it, it was in 2014. I talked to Sarah J and she had this big she, su- sweetheart. Willie. And she traveled with Willie. Yeah. Yeah. Willie. Willie. And same guy. Yeah. So like I, the last AVN I went to in 2020, like uh, I went by to say, hey, and I see Willie there. I was like, hey, man, you're not going to remember me. But like like six years ago, I, and I pull up a picture. He's like, bro, can you send me that? Because he was like, yo, I, he's like, I was looking a little slimmer then. <laughs> He actually slimmed down a lot during the pandemic. He's lost a ton of weight, but she's been rocking with Willie for years. He's a great dude. And I'm glad you brought up Sarah because she's by far one of my favorite women in the industry. She's a Mm. truly sexual being. She's super chill. Uh, She doesn't play in turf wars in any way, shape or form. Like she's just one of those people like that, that girl in school that got along with every group, everybody. No one could dislike her. How could you dislike her? What could there? That's Sarah J. And I truly admire her. And she's also a really hard worker. She helps a lot of people make money. Um, she's just solid. Yeah. You know, you you started in the industry before, you know, the internet became what it yeah. was. And I've, I got to imagine some of this like entitlement attitude, some of the um, – like the empathy gap has to do with just the streamline of porn because I, or just with the internet. Cause you know, not for nothing. Like I see it in like personal ads too. So, so I, you know, I used to do this on Craigslist and now I'm, I'm a Reddit guy. And so if I organize a gangbang for a friend, right, I li- I lay it out nice and clear. This is all you got to answer with. Put this in the subject line. You're probably going to get at least a free blow job. And all you got to do is read like 200 words that I wrote. Okay. And so many times it's just an instant. Hey, I want to get my dick sucked. Hey, this, no acknowledgement of what was in the ad. No, nothing. Words I'd be like, is way too many. If you wanted your dick sucked bad enough, you would have read the whole fucking ad. You would have figured exactly. out how, wait a minute, if, if it ends with your problem, I'm going to read this very carefully and find out how this could come true for me. But see, that's yeah. work. And we're living in a generation now that has never had to mail a resume and hope that mm. the postal service got it there, sat in a room with hundreds of thousands of other resumes, waited by your phone before call waiting so nobody could be on your landline. Life was so much more work. When I got in the business in the early 90s, I had to hire photographers in Pennsylvania, get photos developed, 
mail them to all the companies in California. I had calling cards at the time. Remember, I, you're younger than me, but we had calling cards for long distance. And you'd wait for them to call you. You'd hope while you were on the phone with one, somebody else didn't call. But I think putting in that much effort gave me a lot more patience, right? What you're seeing in somebody with these ads is mm-hmm. we're, we're also dealing with a shortened attention span, Right. So reading that ad and actually being thoughtful about now what's good for you is the people who do thoughtfully read that ad are the ones that you get for your events because they were thorough and they're the decent humans that you know are not going to pop off and be crazy at the event as well. So they Mm -hmm. almost let us weed through easier, but I'll give you an example and I'm doing this new thing I'm very proud of. I'm a big domain buyer. Uh, It's one of my obsessions. So I buy a lot of domains. And so whenever I have an idea, I buy a domain. (laughs) I own it. So you're the one. You're the person sitting on that fucking great idea. Yes. So you're going to go, Daddy, in my account. You go in pages, pages, pages to get through all my domains. And so I had dealt with dating a civilian for six months. Uh, my first like civilian boyfriend since getting out of the industry and moving full-time to New York City. Um, I knew of him through multiple people, but we kept our relationship kind of private because I didn't want it to collide with our friend group, which that blew up in my face. Um, because at the six-month part, I realized he's had a live-in girlfriend for 12 years. So now I know this guy has been lying to me every time I ask him if he's seeing anybody. He's completely lying. And so the long and the short of it is, you know, at the end of the day, I got a love bracelet and a Cartier watch and a huge donation to Planned Parenthood from this motherfucker. Either that or I was going to social media shame his ass. So I'm good. You know what I mean? I got the watch I always wanted, you know. Um, But when that day happened and I was going through all this, I sat down on my chair. I was like, fucking dudes, do better. And I was like, you need to get up and see if the domain's available. So, of course, yes, the domain was available. And so was the Twitter. And so was the Instagram. So was the Facebook. So the next level of Dudes Do Better is I've decided to engage in what I call creeper conversations. Today, before I joined you, I was – because I like now I get to screen grab these. Now these are fodder. They're content. I had put out a photo. Something about flowers wrapped in paper adds a little something. You know – just a sweet social media photo in all caps. This guy writes back, Lisa, I want to be balls deep. <laughs> I write back, I sure wish the best for you with that. Have you tried dating apps? We go back and forth, me and this guy. Only reason I'm engaging is for the segment called Creeper Conversations. And yes, I do owe creeperconversations.com and also <laughs> creepersgonnacreep.com and every oh single thing ends. about creepers. It never ends. Are you, are you the one squatting on manwhorepodcast.com? Is that you? Is that? No. no. <laughs> Can you not get it? It's very expensive. My dad was an early adopter of like getting a website. And so okay. he, and but I'm junior. So okay. he's got every variation of Billy Presida dot whatever. To the point that I'm like, yo, in the will, can you leave me like BillyPresida.com? Like something? Smart of you. He's got all of of it. (laughs) Smart of you to start asking in the will stuff because this is important because otherwise it's a nightmare. Um, Were you able to get it with a junior? 
You know, I haven't tried, but like I'm, my branding isn't, uh, I'm not like Roy, you know, I don't know if you know the comedian Roy Wood Jr. Roy Wood like Jr.? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like but athletes like, that have junior on the back of their jersey and you're like, well, we didn't know senior. Like unless they're also oh. a quarterback, you know, we didn't know them. Like why are you doing that? Yeah, I guess, Also like I you're that. Steve Smith senior. Like, I mean, you don't, the whole benefit of being a senior is you don't have to put it in the name. Like you just get to be Steve and Smith. Mohamed Sanu. Mohamed Sanu, wide receiver in the NFL. I remember asking him that the first time. I'd be like, what's up with the senior? Like, can you explain how does this work? You know what I mean? But, but something I, I love about you and what you've done um, with your career is, one, your careers look so different at so many different stages. You've you've done a lot and not even all just in the industry. Because you meet some of those people, like their their career stays in the adult entertainment world, but just goes into different parts of it. Okay, you know. Yeah. And that really works. Congratulations to Stormy Daniels, right. who just won in court and got a great deal with Wicked to come back and direct some more. She's an incredible director and awesome to be mm-hmm. on set with. So it does work for some people. But for me, I really just want to do a lot of things. I like mm-hmm. to, I like the creative aspect of meeting new people. And the greatest way to meet new people is trying new things. And you do get kind of in this small circle you know, of like the industry and it's, and, and, and it's hard to kind of bust out of it. It's hard to make girlfriends outside of the industry until you have other things that you're doing. You don't meet like random people who are like, Oh, you should meet my friend. That's how you meet new people. And I also like the mental challenge. I get bored. And when I get bored, it is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just do stupid shit, you know, and I don't want to do stupid shit. I want to be inspired. I had a neighbor who was my biggest inspiration. I speak of her a lot. I wrote about her in both of my books. Her name was Peggy. She lived to be almost 102 years old, a couple days before her 102nd birthday. And when I was a kid, she called me Daredevil. And she could tell when I was getting bored and she would always say to me, idle hands are the devil's workshop, Lisa. Idle mm-hmm. hands are the devil's. She taught me how to sew, how to bake, how to, how to farm, uh, how, to, how to can fruits and vegetables. She taught me every single skill because she didn't want Lisa me to Lisa and farms? Yes, that's how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And I would love to do it later in life. I'd love to raise all my own fruits and vegetables again you know, the world's on this whole organic, like there's nothing better than growing stuff yourself, walking out and getting a tomato that's warm, um, just eating stuff that's so fresh. It wasn't in a truck for two days being transported. Like it's wild. Were you always this kind of hustler, like growing up? Like what was your first job? Like as a kid? Uh, at 13 years old, I had working papers and I was a hostess at a restaurant and a dishwasher because that was all you could do. You couldn't collect tips yet. Yeah. Oh yeah. My parents, my dad had me getting working papers, like my 13th birthday. My parents were no joke. My parents from like day one of life were like, you either go to college or you move out, but no matter what, at 18, you don't live here. Um, so the, you know, instilling that there's no future and also, you know, to be honest with you, my dad, you know, beat my mom at a child sport for years by quitting his job and working under the table and being hella shady. And I watched my mom work, you know, three jobs. And I think, you know, you look back to what things really carved you as a person. And I just remember us living in my grandparents' basement that they built into this really cute apartment, but it was me and my brother in a room, my mom in her own room, but it was a little apartment halfway underground. I remember being eight years old and looking at my mom and going like, yeah, never fucking having kids with some dude. If there's a potential that I could go back to living in my parents' basement, never trusting a dude, always going to make my own money. So I think it was those things that hit Mm -hmm. me really young. And I never felt that there were limits in my life, even though I didn't get to go to college. 
even though I was out on my own before I graduated high school, I never felt limits. Like I never was like, oh, I'm never going to be somewhere because I don't, I was just like, I always believed that if you just hustled hard enough, you'd get it. And Working young was really good for me because it kept me away from all the things my friends were doing, whether it was getting DUIs, you know, getting busted at parties with alcohol, like all the things they were doing, I mm. couldn't do because I was working five nights a week, you know. So, in a way, that kept me out of a lot of trouble. It developed great habits and it made me like not even understand what FOMO is. You start to make friends where you work and it becomes your independence. We had a soft serve ice cream machine. And it was like the best soft serve ice cream. And my friends and I, you know, we'd go out the parking lot, we'd smoke weed, we'd go back in there and we would just like put spoons underneath the soft serve machine, you know, just be eating this ice cream. Like, but I mean, I like how you were like, so, oh, it kept me having a job kept me away from all those like terrible things, as if like that's how that was fine to do. Not terrible. And so no, eating like, ice the, cream is amazing. The, the spoon underneath the machine is the degeneracy I'm pointing to. <laughs> total <laughs> degeneracy. Total degeneracy. I mean, but you know, those so I think that's what shaped me. And then also, like, I am a super curious person. So I'm always, whether it's reading or watching documentaries or podcasts, like I'm always intrigued. Like I just stumbled on this article about this YouTube channel that they raise money to solve unsolved crimes. Like they find vehicles and pull them out of the water. They've been there for like two, three. And I'm like, I'm fascinated. Like I have to watch all of these YouTube videos. It's, you know, because the police only have so much resources to look for somebody for so long. Right. And it's a lot about your income status and what you can do for search after. But so finding people like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am always learning about new things and wanting to try something different and meet somebody that does something like that. You know, it's fast money and you never know how long someone's going to stay involved. If you Mm -hmm. notice, the men will be present in the industry a lot longer than the women because, you know, if a woman gets a, if a girl gets a boyfriend, he might not want her doing it anymore. She might change her mind. She might have had a bad experience. Whereas guys are like, if I can do this for a living, I'm rocking out and I'm doing this for 10, 15, Mm -hmm. maybe 20 years because there's not a lot of guys that can actually do it. But what's different today is, we didn't shoot like the talent does now. So when you got into the industry, you know, in years ago, I signed my first contract in 1994. It was for one movie a month. You know, we shot on film. So the movies would take anywhere from three to four days because you'd have a couple dialogue days. Then you'd have your sex scene days, but we'd hang out. Like you'd watch everybody else's scenes. It wasn't like Gonzo where everybody's in and out. We just won two hours. Just shoot this quick scene. And so we didn't really rely on our movie money. You know, you made good money per movie, but it wasn't like the girls today, they're going to shoot 20 scenes a month, you know, like a regular job. They're going to shoot Monday through Friday and they're going to go to work every day. Of course, you're going to burn out. And of course, there's going to be too much content out there. We were taught to do one movie a month to feature dance one or two weekends a month to do an adult bookstores. Adult bookstores used to be a great gig. You'd go and you, you know, your office would be this awesome adult bookstore and you'd meet these owners that were these really cool people. And, um, or you would do, you know, magazine shoots or solo shoots, or you did other things to fill your plate. Money from shooting was always like taught to us as this is your savings money. Don't count on it because if there's a shutdown because of any STD situation, you won't shoot for six months. You don't want to be relying on this money to pay your rent. Mm -hmm. And I also think now with the internet, when I had my agency from 2005 to 2010, I learned that the biggest problem now is when a girl is new 
everybody wants to shoot her right away. So in the first like two, three months, she comes into like 20,000 a month, right? So she's got 40, $60,000, right? But by the third month, her scenes were starting to not be as great because her body is tired. She was not looking consistent because she didn't have time to go get her nails done and do her hair and take care of herself. And so then there's a lull. And then nobody wants to shoot that girl for like three months. And you've got to find out what her next thing is. Is she a big booty? What category in keyword search on Pornhub does she fall into where you can get her work? Is she blonde with big boobs? Okay, great. I'm going to start cold calling all the companies that shoot blonde with big boobs series. Like, no, you know, she just did the new girl thing. So we got to wait a couple of months. So it's changed for them. And if, you know, it was impossible for me to be the only agent to try and tell girls don't shoot all the time. They mm-hmm. thought I was keeping them from making money, but I was really just trying to put them with the right people, let some product come out, do some interviews for those those movies. Like they just wanted the money. I mean, the websites say, "Do you want 20 grand a month?" Yes, an 18-year-old girl who loves Prada, Gucci, every- wants 20 grand a month. So they work them too hard. And then, you know, it's really hard to recover from that. You're a little bit overused mm-hmm. in your first two, three months. And then there's nothing left for a while. And obviously it's really weird, but they never save that first grip of money at all. When I first started stripping and had cash all the time, I yeah. didn't think anything of going to Franklin Mills Mall in Philly and just being like, I got a G on me. I'm going to spend it all. I do trash. You know what I mean? Just like, because I could. Looking back, that G at 18 years old with interest would be a ton of money right now. Ton of money. A uh, ton of money. You know, so what was like, you know, your first non-adult industry hustle, whether side hustle or like full-time gig? So uh I took a break uh after 9-11. Mm-hmm. There was a situation with a day spa down the street from my house uh, where uh, the girl was going to go on her – she was going to go on a business. And so I had come back after being stranded on the road, was flying during 9-11, was in South Carolina with two for two weeks. At the time, I was married. I wasn't shooting scenes. I was just feature dancing. Mm-hmm. And so I go into the spa, and she she pleads her case to me. And I'm like, yo, I'll give you 5G right now to give me the keys. We'll meet back here tomorrow, and I'll buy this place from you. So I – paid her a base amount uh, so that I could take over the business as is, and I would carry her debt. So that means I went back to all the therapists that she bounced checks to. I paid them what she owed them to bring their book back to my spa. I went back to the vendors that she owed money to and said, hey, I want to have Dermalogica in here. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I paid about 80 grand of her debt. But I only gave her ten grand cash to fucking walk out of that place, and the build out was there, the equipment was there. So it was a great, great time for me because nobody was going to be traveling on the road. My dance agent already told me like all the dance bookings are canceled, so there's no work yeah. for you. And I was like, I was on my like, what am I going to do for work? And within six hours of coming home from that trip, tell my husband I'm going to get a facial. I go to the spa, it's dead. There's nobody in there. There's no product on the shelves. It looks like and. She pleads her case. And I was like, well, here's my next job. I did that for four years. And then I sold it to two doctors who still own it. It's a Medispa. Like who, like, where's that come from? Does someone teach you to invest in a business? Do you just go like, I'll buy it now. I'll figure it out. Like, that's just, no, I don't think any of your fans would guess that you like randomly bought a spa unless they like read your book or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it just comes from being receptive, right? Mm. I knew I was coming home from a trip 
And life as I knew it was totally different. So I was open and receptive to opportunity. As she's giving me a facial and telling me this story for an hour about how bad things are, I'm thinking like, this is an opportunity just knocking on your head right now. Like you can't just walk out of here. Like this is kismet. This is meant to be. You should be doing this. So I've always loved going to the spa. And I also know this, no matter what, if you put your time in, like these product lines, I'll give you Dermalogica, for example, they'll send reps to your place and do training every week to teach you how to sell that product because they Mm. want you to be educated and sell that product. Well, during that time, I did put myself through esthetician school as well so that I would be uh, able to train staff legally and not Mm. deal with like if there's a waxing emergency, uh, I'm legally not allowed to touch somebody unless I... I have my license. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> the younger girls would forget to shave some of the guy's back hair before they'd put the wax on. Ooh. You got to trim it first because if you don't trim it first, you're going to get a big clump of hair and skin and potentially rip off skin. So I learned quickly that I had to be able to fix that problem. Um, but it was a great experience for me. I mean, it was a recovery of knowing I was still going to have something going for me. I didn't think I was going to keep it forever. I was like, let's just get this place going on um, four years till I listed it for sale. And, you know, I the greatest part about that whole transaction was I sold the business without one person in the business knowing it was even up for sale. And that's the hardest thing, especially when you're dealing with, because I studied it a lot before I listed. And when you have therapists that have their own book, whether they're estheticians, massage therapists, if they feel insecure, they'll just pick up and go to another salon. They have a right to do that, you know? And if they feel like they're afraid to meet new owners or what it's going to be like. And I remember the gym next door let me have this meeting where all of my staff was there. My spa's name was Karma at the time. And I told them that I had put karma up for adoption and that I was introducing them to karma's new parents. And it just went over so beautifully and they trusted in me. Uh, Some of them still work there. Uh, It's got a different name now, but it was, it's an experience because you can lose so much money if people find out you're trying to sell your business. I love the dudes do better uh, show that you're doing now. I I love the title because I knew exactly what we're talking about. Uh, and I loved like I was curious what the origin story was. So thank you for sharing that. I knew it had something to do. I was like, clearly some dude disappointed her yet again. So like, I got to hear, you know, wh- I got to hear what that was. Um, tell us more about like the dudes do better show. To put an exclamation point on the true understanding of the origin story too. So, you know, the guy that I dated that was cheating on me, which I laugh about this because Uh this is a regular woman experience. Every woman I know has been cheated on. I love that I'm not that special, that I am not, you know, I am not exempt from this kind of thing. It made me feel weirdly normal. My girlfriends were like, how are you not so devastated about this? I'm like, listen, as long as I pass an STD test and he and I, you know, I, these things happen to everybody. And I now know what I would do differently and go to his place. Like I would do a little bit more what I call whore homework. Um, but right before <laughs> I decided to go on a date with him, cause he had been asking me for a while, but I had been seeing somebody non-exclusively, but for 10 years and he had just stayed with me for two weeks And I told him what I wanted for Christmas. I told him I wanted this Cartier watch. And I was clear with him. We were having dinner. Like, And and the time that he stayed with me, I did his laundry. I cooked. So like a week before Christmas, a plant arrives. A plant. A plant. In a plant box from like 
plants, right? And I'm like, weird, because I don't get any mail here. So he hits me up. He's like, hey, did your gift arrive? And I was like, what are you talking about? You mean the Not the, the gift I asked for. And he said, <laughs> he said, yeah, you had a ton of plants in your place in LA. And I thought, you know, you'd want to have a, 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 like, okay, please tell me this is a housewarming gift for my new place and not a Christmas present. And he's like, no, this is, I got you this for good. I'm like, you know, we're done. It's over. So then three days later, I go on the date with this guy. He cheats on me for six months, but I still get the watch at the end of the day. So here we are. <laughs> but then, but like, how do you, how do you, true? like, I know it's all fun and games and all, but like the, the, in retelling, but you know, how does it truly feel when you find out that like, he's got this secret life you didn't know about? Like, is the Cartier it watch really real. a consolation? It is because it's a great story that I'll remember forever. Yeah. It, it's real. I mean, look, we're living in a world where people are very dishonest. We're living in a world where people have lack of integrity. We're living in a world where people are no longer their word. So it's a normal situation. I mean, I didn't cry over him. Believe me, the reason I didn't cry was because of the whole six months – I was suspect and so was my best friend, but everyone else in my life was like, no, you're just being, because you were in the business, you're just being super suspect and you just don't trust guys. And so I continued to stay in this something that I thought there was something not right. So it validated my end, but this is just life. Life isn't going to go how we always want it. You know what I mean? It yeah. filled a void post-COVID when we still weren't really willing to just go out and beat people and hook up. Like it was, you know, it was the end of 2020. Um, so, you know, it was a time where it was still awkward. It is what it is. Like I just don't cry over spilled milk. I'll still date. And look, the plant the plant has its own identity because everybody knows the plant story. I do a how it started, how it's going because it's plaque. doubled in size. It sits behind me sometimes for dudes to do better. Like I rearrange the room so the plant can be in because the plant is such a highlight. Everybody wanted me to name it. And I'm like, it's called the plant. Like that's the perfect name. And he meant no harm. He just has no game when it comes to buying gifts. Um, but at the same time, uh, this all adds to the comedy factor. Yeah. Continue to date. I will continue to date. We've just been living in an unusual time and now I know like I have girlfriends who are like you know you got to scope out a guy's place like you know you got to meet more of his friends you got to go out to get they told me all these things and I was like guys I just want to do to come over two nights a week I want to watch like chopped or something really stupid have sex and have him leave like I don't want him sleeping here like that was all I wanted they're like he needs to sleep over. You need to know you need to go sleep over at his place. Ah, you know, it's the city. Do I really want to leave my house? Do I want to be leaving his house at one o'clock in the morning? Like I had all these answers. Yeah. I was wrong. But, you know, I love the Constellation Prize is awesome. And by the way, he and I have become friends again. I text him okay. once in a while. Um, if I want food from his restaurants because my friends are here, we like to text him and harass him and make him put it in an Uber and send it <laughs> you, to us. <laughs> you, you, you owe us another meal. Uh, Forever. <laughs> so how, but how do you approach dating now or how do you plan to approach dating whenever you're, you're off doing it? So I realized that I really have to choose and I have to meet people through people, right? So uh-huh. I think the biggest start is being more social. And when your friends invite you to an event, I think as a girl in the industry, your always first response is no. No, because I'm going to be the science project there. Everybody's going to ask me a lot of weird questions. Yeah. Everybody's going to be staring at me. Once I got over that and I realized like, no, it is valuable. If these are your friends that you've respected for 10, 15 years, you should want to meet their friends because through friends, you'll meet other trusted people. So it's just about being a little bit more getting out there. Like I can't be on a dating app, but I love 
to read my friends' dating apps. I love the conversations that go on. For a woman, a dating app is like a second job. They get a lot of messages. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of messages. <laughs> a lot of dudes on dating apps. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not monogamous. So when I date and have a girlfriend, like she'll still be on apps. And gosh, it is fun to sometimes sit on a couch and read. Read her messages, and, right? And then we just look at each other. And what do we say? We say, dudes do better. Uh, <laughs> <dot> com. <laughs> so I, we cover, you know, dudes do better has also allowed me to really open up the space to bring on a lot of adult entertainers and ask mm-hmm. them like, what's been your weirdest situation? Like, you know, kind of make light because everyone's had some crazy stalker thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's had some guy that just continues to set up more profiles to engage, to set up more profiles. And I'll say what I've learned is the younger performers, they're so lighthearted about it all. They grew up with trolls. They grew up with social media. And to them, they're just like, oh, I just block people. Like, I don't even engage. Like, reading it doesn't even absorb to them. It's not about them. And it's been neat to hear, you know, young younger girls tell me like, yeah, it's not even a thing. Like, who the fuck is that? Why do they matter? And I'm like, you know, that's the right approach. I used to let it bother me, but thank you. Yeah. So it's opened my mind to seeing how different generations process this information. I'm going to be 50 in May. I feel like if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Like, why is a guy tweeting to me? I want to be balls deep in all caps. Like, what could be fucking wrong with you other than everything? But when you're in my IG lives, it's the room's probably 10% human beings. The other 90% it's such chaos. And when I go in, I just go in to talk to the 10%. But sometimes people will leave my room because they're like, I cannot endure these comments to you anymore. Like, yeah. it, it's like, I feel like if it was a club, I would never go there. If, oh. if my IG lives were a nightclub, and it's just, you know, cre- but I also have learned to make fun with it. Like, sometimes before I go on, I'll say, under over five, how many dudes will ask to see my feet within the first eight minutes? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> if we make it fun, but it's just shows me there's a huge lack of understanding of how to communicate. And also you have to remember if it wasn't for OnlyFans and tube sites, there's adult content being accessed in countries where it was never legal or it's still not legal, but they were never able to access it before. And there's no conversations about sex in those cultures. So I only- It's like exploding I, I, out of somebody. They're just like, yes. oh my God, I can say the sex word, sex, sex. So it's like, my dick yes. is hard. <laughs> yes. And I, I mean, and I can't really blame them yeah. for, for only getting this end of the data and not understanding this end of it at all. And it's sad to watch because I remember before India was able to see adult content and the drastic change when they realized they could use a VPN mixer and any, any cultures, like I got to go to Turkey for Durex and it just the Islamic culture that they're incredibly aggressive with you on social media. And I look at it like, well, they've never been told how to talk to a woman in their life. Mm-hmm. They're only having sex with a woman to get married, you know, after they're married to have children. But it is, it's just wild. Like my best friend who sits in every one with me, also my assistant, she's like, ever, after everyone I do, she's like, I don't know how you walk outside. Because I know I don't know how you are not scared to death to walk outside. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I, I hope these people just are keyboard warriors, you know, and and that they would never have the courage to say that to your face. It's wild, like we and we talked about Sarah J before uh, be, because I had her on so long ago, and it's like on Instagram or whatever. So just every once in a while, like I will get random messages from someone like India or Bangladesh, and they're just like, "Can you give me Sarah J's phone number?" Of course. I'm, 
wait, what? What? Wait, like, can we yes. just slow down? One, you assume she, I have her phone number, which I don't think I do anymore. Uh, what? I call and it, then by I, the way, the runoff. It to you? It's what? the runoff. Like, my friends get it too. That's why I don't tag them often yeah. or take photos of them. But yeah, every guy you know that you do something with them, like, yeah, I keep getting these messages. These guys want me to give them your number. I'm like, it's just so, it's so wild. But I guess they have nothing better to do and they think maybe it'll work. Yeah, it's like I'm like, is there a guy like did this work for one guy one time in 2007? And like, and just told that, everybody, it's a legend now. It's like it's like folklore. It's, it's like folk- if you message enough times, some <laughs> some yes, porn star will suck like, your dick. <laughs> um, I get proposed to get married uh, every day on social media, of course, especially when I go on live. And I always just say, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm not accepting marriage proposals today, but thank you so much for offering. Like, check in tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, somebody already asked and I accepted his invitation. Just flash the Cartier watch, be like, does this intimidate you? Can you do this? Probably <laughs> no. Okay. This is a baseline. Cartier watch. No plants. I got a plant. It's called the plant. But like I like the gifts uh, because then I also don't have to be with the guy anymore. But yeah, it's the internet is it's wild, but dudes do better has really opened that conversation for me. Mm-hmm. It's also allowed me to understand how great OnlyFans has been for the confidence of performers and how many of them are so happy to be managing their own schedule. And even though they're able to go back to shooting, they're only shooting and doing things they really want to do. And they love the connectivity of it. So I've heard more joy than I heard years before when it comes to Mm -hmm. work in the industry. Less complaints and more good stuff. And has there been any any like temptation to now that like it really is like adult content you could never have to shoot anything you never want to shoot ever again i've heard you talk about like you know having impossible rates you know stuff like that to to deter people kindly is there ever any temptation to like eh, i could take a a nude pic once a day in the shower and is there any i do have an only fans oh you do still do only fans okay the real lisa ann uh you can also find it through lisa ann fans because of course i had to buy that domain the day only fans (laughs) put out their message that they might be getting rid of us i was like you need to go buy some domains like you need to while everyone else is panicking you need to buy up some domains so So you do still put out some like some loose like your own content I use it for a library. I own about 30 years of content, right? So it's like unable for me to get through. And I bought back a ton of scenes when some of the VHS companies were going out of business. They weren't going to be profitable websites, even some of the DVD companies. So I was able to buy back a lot of scenes with the paperwork, uh, with everything. Because they were like, you know, hey, we're just looking, we're just going to throw this shit out. I'm like, I'll give you this much for 10 scenes. I'll give you cash. Let's do this. But um I do once in a while. So I do direct messages where I'll send a video a couple times a week where I'm like today, I I gave the rundown that I was doing this podcast, what I'm going to be doing. I like them to see my life as it is right now. And then once in a while, I'll do a little something. So last week I did decide to shoot uh, me taking a shower and I put it through DM and it was the first time I had done something and I engaged. So once in a while, they'll get a little something, but I won't be doing scenes, any new Mm. scenes or anything. I do... There's like a love and a hate with the DMs, right? Because mm-hmm. some guys are super cool and you yeah. can have then some guys flat out feel like this membership is layaway to your vagina and eventually I'm going to be inside it. Like that yeah. is what I think they're thinking. It'll and be so like three like, months, three months I should be in there. Yes. I put in my dues. <laughs> And they ask a lot of wild shit, like yeah. a lot, like a lot of wild shit. But 
you know, um, it's, it's definitely unbelievable how much everybody likes revisiting my content. A lot of it is stuff they never saw because it was stuff that I shot exclusively for my website. So whether it's solo sets and then my production company, you know, putting all of those scenes up in those movies. So they get a photo set through the day. And then when the photo set ends, they get the video that goes with that photo set. You get that every mm. day. So it is a nice stream of content. Um, and, you know, I, it's, you know, a couple hours of work a day for me, yeah. but I find it fun. It's fun to go back. Yeah. And I find myself connecting with, cameraman, uh, performers, searching people out. Oh, I out, miss Mike. Yeah. I'll be like, oh my God, I remember that day at that location. We broke that lamp. I should reach <laughs> out to Jojo and see how he's doing. And it, it allows me to really flash back through so many years. And Suze Randall gave me content from like 94, 95, 96. Holly's we mom? Just, yes. <gasps> that we were just shooting on camera at that time where there was no video. These were just for magazines. Yeah. I shot with Suze so much my young life. She was my favorite. Yeah. I'm actually going to see Holly and Sue's the first week in March uh, mm. because I'm having Holly shoot a photo set for me for my 50th birthday. And oh, I thought it'd be great to nice. do some sexy photos for my OnlyFans and also some new promotional photos and stuff like that. But Suze gave me those photos. So like if I do a flashback Friday and I put up a magazine set from 1994, these guys are like, oh my God, I would never see mm. this anywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's so great. So I have fun with it. Seven days a week, there's content. Is, are there any scenes that like perennially stay in your mind? Like one of my fa- some of my favorites. What my favorite girl girl scene is a girl girl scene I did with Sarah J for my website. And oh. every time I cross by that, I see that. I just we had such a fun day, and she's just so great to be around. There's a ton of different places where like, I remember the location was really sick or, or, uh, you know, everything was like, everything went really well. Or sometimes there's a backstory to somebody got a flat on their way to set. But one thing that's been interesting and hard is there's a lot of loss in the industry. And so a lot of times I'm going through my hard drives and I can count, you know, there's so many guys I've worked with that are no longer here. So many girls I worked with that are no longer here. And I have this like, gosh, I can't put the scene up and just looking back this day and that's kind of an interesting thing that I've just really started to discover over the past two, three years. Yeah. And I got to imagine, I mean, it's different from say, if you were, you know, when you're a comic and you're seeing comics who are no longer with us versus like you're seeing porn, like you're seeing something that's supposed to sexually charge you. And Intimate, at the same time yeah. you're missing, right? I, that, that's got to be such a complicated, because, you know, I, obviously your brain kicks in pretty immediately, but there's an initial like, oh, that's hot. Oh, wait, they're not here that's got to yeah. be complicated in this yeah. business. It's, you know, it's a high rate of loss uh, on mm. the regular. Uh, I was just looking at a scene with Chris Johnson the other day and he passed away not too long ago. Um, it was a parachuting accident, oh. but he loved, he was a big diver and uh, the risk, the, 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 what do they call them? Cliff divers where they mm-hmm. jump in like really crazy spots. But it was as sad as it was when I looked at his photos, I thought, you know what? You died doing exactly what you love to do. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a tragic accident in a car. It was something that you were taking this risk every time you did it. And I have some peace with that. I still didn't want to post the scene. But, you know, when you 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 look at how it happened for different people and you have a different emotional connection to the loss. Yeah. Your your last couple of scenes, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, were VR scenes uh, maybe yep. a couple years ago, right? So. Yep. What was what was the feelings of uh, did you know one did you know that that was going to be your last like proper shoot shoots and two like if so what that feel like was there any emotions that came up when you finally go cut wow I'm not going to get fucked on camera like that ever again 
well, I wanted to do VR because I didn't want my career to be time stamped by technology. Right. And I knew that I was on my last couple of scenes and I knew that I wanted to do a, with a company that had the best technology, the ASMR ears on the cameras, like everything about it. That's wet VR. They've spent the most money on the technology. But the bummer is making them my last two scenes, it's the worst sex you'll ever have on camera. So I, I remember because what you'll Wait, see what? When, you, Why? when I send you my new book, because you're not connected with the performer at all. The performer uh. has to be so far away from you and you're focused on this camera and you're, you know, you're in the ASMR ears and the camera is down on you because the VR is supposed to give the viewer the feeling that they're with you. So you can't see the guy's hands. They can't come in on this. On this. He can't touch you like the whole day. There's no kissing. There's no intimacy. So mm. I remember... You'll see when I send you a copy of my book, but I remember thinking like, what a way to go out. Like, why didn't I just book like one last gangbang after that? Because that wasn't, you know, I was just being, you know, the businesswoman that I am going like, yeah, these are going to be my last scenes. I definitely want to be sure that I'm not time stamped by technology and this is what I'll do and, you know, I'll be done. And then afterwards yeah. I thought about it, I'm like, but it's not – it's not a pleasing experience for either performer. And as a woman, I felt so bad for the guy because when you get to know your guys that you work with, you know how to bring them back up. If they're losing their edge a little bit, you know, whatever it is, whether they like to be kissed, where, where they like to be touched, you know, where are there little triggers that you can help them still be really strong and have a yeah. great day? And when you can't do that for your guy on set, you just feel so guilty. You're like, how are you doing this? Oh my gosh, are you okay? I want to help. Like, I'm sorry. I yes. can't reach you. Yes. Yes. Oh. Although the gangbang one, I imagine you could probably do because like there's only needs to be one person who's POV and then you have all these other performers you can actually connect with, I would imagine. You can't do a gangbang in VR. It doesn't really? work. Really? It's too many it bodies. Does... Yeah. Oh, okay. Ah, that's a, that's a shoot. bummer. That's yeah. a bummer. Doesn't shoot. Doesn't shoot. Uh, and the other thing I loved, uh, I loved uh, just about watching your career over the years, just recently in the last like you know decade, just the the sports. I was like, wait, what? She's like, like I remember years ago when like I think if the uh, I, not the least experience when you first started doing the sports talk on Sirius, yeah. I was like, Lisa. The Nalen Sarah Palin lady, yep. she's doing sports talk? Wait, what, oh, what? You know what? I should have put on my new t-shirt for you. I just What'd ordered a grip of Sarah Palin for president 2024. They're on Amazon. I'm going to start wearing it. She's in New York right now. I'm stalking a little. What? Do you have the domain? Uh, of which? Nalen Palin? I did you did you Hustler get it from Sarah Palin twenty four? Oh, they they did all those domains. Those are all taken. <laughs> Don't worry. I check all that. Um... I grew up a sports kid, you know, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, we, you know, my mom was a basketball mom at Lafayette College, which meant she cooked for all the home games so that the away team would have a meal. So we got to go to every single home game. So that was my first love was basketball. I only saw my dad on Sundays. <laughs> my dad watched football. So I had to really learn football to be able to have some sort of a conversation between him and my brother. Steelers, um, Eagles. We were Dallas Cowboys fans. I know that's very strange. How'd that happen? We loved Tom Landry. My dad loved Tom Landry. Remember Tom Landry on the side, top hat, suit, <laughs> cigars, just a baller. Um, but also on the road, you know, when I first went feature dancing in the early 90s, we didn't have the internet. So like I would just get a couple of channels in the hotel and you'd watch Sports Center on rotation. It would be the same thing every hour. You just watch it, watch it, watch it. You'd read the box scores in the newspaper cuz back then every hotel put a newspaper at every door. Something and you could say to the to the guys at the club be like, "Oh yeah, I saw the that touchdown pass." 
you, and also I wanted to see as many ballparks, stadiums, and arenas as I could. Oh, so cool. I would look in advance and I would say, okay, I'm going to be in Pittsburgh for this weekend. I'm going to stay that Sunday, go to the Steelers game. Cause you know, between a sports radio show or somebody that you meet through the club, it's not hard to have someone go with you or someone has tickets in the local area. But I saw a ton of games in different places. Um, and I'm, you know, it made the trip like more memorable than just the strip club. I'd remember the day at the ballpark and, you know, watch the games. It was great. That's amazing. And what, so who you got Ram Rams or Bengals? I'm completely neutral in this Super Bowl. I'm just excited about it. There's there's a great aspect to both teams. When you look at how young Joe Burrow is, the fact that you could consider this his rookie season because last season he tore his ACL, had mm-hmm. two surgeries. The way he came back, him playing with his college you know, superstar wide receiver, Jamar Chase, it's a, putting the Bengals like right on the map when everybody was looking at bigger talent in Cleveland with the Browns that just didn't work out. Matthew Stafford for the Rams goes there. His first year has a great season, brings little Cooper cup to like the celebrity status. Little Cooper been cup. At. Look at you calling him <laughs> little Cooper cup. That's what all the broadcasters <laughs> call him because we, you know, fantasy football, everybody like three years ago, four years ago, Cooper cup was highly sought after. And then Jared yeah. Goff kind of went into a slump and then nobody really wanted Cooper Cup. But this year I had so many shares of Cooper Cup. It's a PPR machine. PPR machine. And then Odell Beckham gets to have a, you know, a great second half to his season in a new home. So like there's this love that I feel on both sides. And I'm just going to get to enjoy the game and not care about the outcome. These last two weekends of football were like, I'm not talking about the Pro Bowl. I watched golf No, yesterday. fuck the Pro Bowl. But um, <laughs> fuck the Pro Bowl. I was watching Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I'm not going to subject <laughs> myself to <laughs> I love golf. Um, those last two weekends of games oh my were God. off the charts. You could not look away. You couldn't take a bathroom break unless it was Mm-mm. commercial. It's the best. I think this might be the best postseason consistent. Like you always remember like a game. You remember the Aaron Rodgers, like Hail Mary into triple coverage. You remember this over here. You remember uh, Marshawn Lynch, get the fuck off me. But like a whole postseason, like I, I, you know, it, it, I know that she, I, I know I'm five abandoned my sex crowd. Uh, there's like 17 people left who actually watch sports and fuck. Uh, but, <laughs> but like that chiefs bills game so good that like I was in therapy and I had to talk about like a phone call I got after the game and how it ruined the game, whatever. But like, I was like, you know, and I just watched this amazing, like the best game I'll ever watch in my entire life. And my therapist's like, yeah, man, no, I'm with you on that. I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. I was like, I'm my therapist. Uh, and even more amazing, I'm glad that you're seeing a therapist. Oh, uh, I'm in double uh, therapy, lady. I'm in, I'm very I, therapied. <laughs> it's, it's, look, it's, it's, it's as important as anything we do. It's just, we haven't prioritized it. We were raised, okay, get your teeth cleaned twice a year, get a physical once a year, but we weren't raised. And now we're starting to really see the understanding of how great it is to have an outlet that you can communicate with someone who is not related to anything in your life, no benefits, no losses, no nothing. You can ask your friends, they don't always know where your head's at. You can't ask your family. They've got a vested interest. They just want you to get married and have kids for them. Like, you know, everybody's got their own agenda. You have a mm-hmm. therapist. They don't have an agenda other than helping you process your own information better for the long haul. And yeah. I, I commend you for making the time because people get too busy and they don't prioritize themselves and you're prioritizing yourself. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's true, though. Go all the way back to your mom, who I still want to shake her hand for letting oh. you cancel your confirmation. Like, I love this woman. I, oh. And I wish we could go back in time 
and watch that conversation. Oh, had to be the it, best. It, it'd be very frustrating. Be. <laughs> you, the pitch oh, yeah. you must have put together. Oh. I was a little argumentative shithead. I was just like, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't know that I believe in him. And I don't think if he existed, which I don't think I think he does, but if he did, uh, if he even is a he, I don't think he would want me to go in front of a congregation and lie. So I don't think I should do that if he exists, which I don't think he does. Uh, and she was like, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right. Love uh, you would love Bobby. She's a, no, she's, you'd love her. She's a, she's got a, Kind spirit and soul. Uh, that you might that want you to set me and Bobby that. up on a play date. Is she in New York? She yeah, she comes in. She's right on the other side in Jersey, and she loves to drive over the bridge with her two boxers and go to play. You want me to set you up with my mom on a friend date? When like, the weather is nice, <laughs> we will walk in the park with those dogs. You you are going to send me up with a friend date with your mother for sure. You this you is joke, but in April you're going to get an email, and I'm going to say you Fantastic. still want to hang out with Bobby. I do. Hang out with Bobby. Well, until you can hang out with Bobby, Lisa, uh, this was awesome. Where where can people go to find you and take in the variety of uh, career paths that you you take on? Thank you for preparing for this conversation and for having this conversation with me. It was a ton of fun. I'm easy to find. Everything is at the real Lisa Ann, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, there are a lot of imposters out there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they like to message people. And I feel bad for people because they get hustled out of money. But I also wonder why do people think I would set up an account that says Lisa Ann 427893 to direct message with them? I mean, is it, <laughs> is it just me or that just seems. Kind Don't of- you know I got all the domains? I'm the domain <laughs> lady. I got them. I don't need four two seven eight. I got I got zero. I got no number. I do not want that. But uh, yeah, so everything at the release and my YouTube channel is where you could find my podcast, both the Lisa and Experience and Dudes Do Better. That's also the real Lisa Ann. Um, we will have you on Dudes Do Better because I want to get your dating stories. I want a male perspective because we can all do better. This isn't just about dudes. There's been times I've called myself out for stuff. We could all do better, but I'd love to hear your conversations and then also what you've seen in those dating apps with your girl that you could be like every time dudes do better. I mean, this show started in 2014 talking to my exes about why we didn't work out. Like I am, I'm the dudes do better guy. I can always do better. And I'm very interested in trying. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That'll be fun. Also the new segment creeper conversations, which is also based (laughs) on my daily ticker that goes across my mind all day. Creepers going to creep. Creeper's going to creep. Lisa, you were fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) You have it. Uh, uh, Lisa, you're fun. Uh, We'll talk again soon. And for now, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Thanks so much for having me. Enjoy the pod. Subscribe, like, review, rate, do everything he needs you to do. I want an entire YouTube series, just Lisa Ann hanging out with Bobby Presida. Maybe, oh God, what if Lisa Ann gave my mom dating advice? (gasps) Lisa, are you still listening? If so, like, let's make that happen. Bobby is single and like super ready to mingle. I just don't really want to hear about it. Um, it (laughs) Would you feel that way about your father? Not for nothing. My dad doesn't talk about sex. He pretends that when he dates women or cheats on women with other women, he, uh, he acts like there wasn't a sex act involved in any of it. I've never heard that man reference being in a sexual situation for as much sex as that man has had. Uh, (laughs) I would love to know about what you thought about this week's episode. You can share your comments with other listeners in the episode discussion channel of our Discord server, 
the champagne room. Introduce yourself today, share your thoughts, and join us in a variety of other conversations at manwhorepod.com slash discord. Of course, you can always email me your comments, your questions, your criticisms, maybe even your titty pictures at manwhorepod at gmail.com. Is this your first time listening to the Man Whore Podcast? As you can see, it got over 400 episodes. We come on out every Wednesday, so make sure you are hitting the follow button on your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can follow me wherever. You know, you follow me where you listen to Joe Rogan or follow me where you choose not to listen to Joe Rogan. I'm there. Uh, I want to give a shout out, by the way, to Armando. Thank you for coming out and surprising me at my, uh, my gig in Maryland. Thanks for giving me an excuse to not watch the headliner. Uh, We had a really fun conversation outside the show. Thanks for coming out. Even if I told y'all not to, because I was very rusty. But you were very kind and nice all the same. Also, also an official fan whore, Patreon member. Next week, we got a wild episode with comedian Leia Forster. She's a, uh, a, I will call her a recovered Hasidic queer woman. She'll tell you she doesn't like to call herself anything doozy of a goddamn episode especially for you uh you you reformed religious folks i think y'all are going to connect to that one hard but in the meantime everybody stay up stay happy stay safe and stay slutty beducated.com teaches you real sex techniques using real people not just diagrams and pussy puppets. Get 70% off an annual membership with code MANHOR at beducated.com. That's code MANHOR at B-E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D dot com. Or click the link in the show notes.